All right, good evening, brothers and sisters. Join me, if you would, for a moment of prayer before we begin. And I hope that I can share something with you tonight that deals with everything we've heard so far. But let's thank our Lord for everything that we have first. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day of life, for breath, for friends, for family, for food, for nourishment, for health, and even the strength when health fails. We thank you for all of the things you have given us to be grateful for. We thank you for reminding us in our spirit when we fall to complaint. We thank you for forgiving us on our sins when we fall to temptations. And we thank you for giving us the strength through your Holy Spirit and your, your Son, Jesus Christ, to get up again and again and again, no matter what. That strength saves us all. Your grace, your salvation saves us all. We love you and we thank you in the name of our King, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, Galatians 5, 1, for freedom Christ has set us free. And then it says, stand firm, therefore. So for those of you who haven't heard, Robert Hyde is my name, and I'd like to show you that first slide. I was told the guys had the slides and the PowerPoint. Here's part of the story that Keith didn't want to say because he was going to leave it to me to do. So look at that idiot to the left. Stone cold idiot. Got himself in trouble as a young man in my 20s and was incarcerated for crime. Now, I just read a scripture that says we are set free. Now, I knew nothing of Jesus. I knew nothing of the Lord. I knew nothing of the Bible. My early life was one of domestic abuse. My mother was killed when I was young. Never knew my father until I went and tracked him down in my 20s and never had any real mentoring or parenting. Is that an excuse? Absolutely not. However, there are influences that are real in every person's life, especially children, right? I don't know anyone who was a child who just, other than the Lord himself, who walked about like a child in full wisdom, schooling people on the will of the Lord. I certainly had no knowledge whatsoever. So my last image of my mother was of her being toted away in an ambulance. She had been shot with a 12-gauge shotgun, and I never saw her again. I was not allowed to go to the wake, to the funeral, or anything else because we were told we were too young, we wouldn't understand it. Later on in life, I know that was a mistake. Children should be allowed a, a a way to process, a way to close a chapter, a way to grieve. Well, I didn't have that, and I realized I didn't have that because the people that I lived with was my maternal grandfather and his third wife. They didn't know how to grieve either, so it didn't occur to them. Now, what I want to do is explain something to you here. That platform right there set my path and my response as an immature, foolish kid who decided to shake his fist at the sky, be mad at God, cussing God out for all I'm worth, and anybody else that ever held one of these. I thought this right here was for weak people that needed assistance to think because they didn't have the gray matter in their skull to do it themselves. Or maybe they were weak and scared. Or maybe they were just deluded. Or maybe, 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 maybe. So I never looked at this. I was biased and prejudiced against it my whole life because I chose my anger and my resentment over any possibility of love and forgiveness. 
Obviously, that is not the path of health. That is not the path that's going to lead you where you can display yourself in a way that you'll be beneficial to yourself or society or anyone else. So if you could show that picture again, on the left, I'm going to lead into you and explain this story to you. Let me show you what you're looking at. To the left, you're looking at a mug shot of a guy in the Louisiana State Penitentiary. And you see that picture was taken six years ago. But look at the one to the right. If you can read it a little bit, the photography's on me. I'm still learning this technology because I'm going to tell you how soon I've been out in a minute. But Mississippi Department of Corrections is what the right one says. But look what it says underneath it. It no longer says offender with a number. It says staff ID badge. All right. There's my name and MSP contract. I've been contracted and I'm days or weeks away from officially having that made um, official as a state employee. So I got my pardon in March, just last year, and was allowed to get out after serving 21 years flat. I did three years before that, didn't learn my lesson, was out nine months and went right back in for 21 years. Terrible crime, all my fault. I got into a fight with a man and I caused his death and I was convicted of manslaughter. Sentenced to 35 years. Something happened. We're talking about evangelism here, right? This is our theme. Something happened in that moment, though, that only the Holy Spirit does that allows you to be ready for evangelism. We know that our preaching to announce, our teaching to explain, our modeling to show and prove, those are three key elements to evangelism. If you don't have those three, you're not doing evangelism. You might be partly doing it, but you're not doing the full spectrum. I was not ready. I didn't want to hear it until that guy in that black robe brought that gavel down on top of that table he's got and said 35 years. Something broke. And all of my delusions, all of my anger, all of my resentment, everything faded away. And all I knew was, holy smokes, what have I done? And for the first time in my life, I began to see that I had hurt people, that I had harmed people, that my idea of myself as basically a good man was rubbish, and that I had committed a crime that caused society to put me in a cage like an animal because I had behaved like an animal. There's a song by the Civil Wars. It's got a piece of a lyric. It says, no one knows redemption like the outcast. If you read scripture, especially the Old Testament, and you read again and again and again and again, this repetition to remind the people of Israel, the people of the covenant, that they were once in exile, that they were once in bondage. There's a reason they're reminded of that, because you are not to forget, if you have been shackled in bondages, you are not to forget, once you have been set free in the covenant and grace and salvation and freedom of the Lord, you're not to forget where you came from and where the Lord saved you from. Amen. So you have this text here for freedom. Christ has set us free. So I'm here to tell you tonight, like Brother Key said, your evangelism saved my life. I mean, you hear that maybe in books, maybe in magazines, maybe in whatever podcast streaming evangelism, euangelion, gospel, good news. You're providing that to me. And I'll explain that here in a second. You're providing that to me saved my 
life because for once the, the Spirit finally broke my heart and I was ready to open this up. And when I opened it up, I was shattered into a million pieces. I cried like a big giant little baby in an ugly orange jumpsuit and rubber slippers in an isolation cell with an iron door. And the only way I knew what time it was, week after week after week after week, was by paying attention to what kind of food they brought me. Weeks blur together, months blur together, you don't talk to anybody, you start to go a little stir crazy in there. And I've told this joke a couple of times in other venues, there's this strange thing in prison about men reading romance novels in jail. It's weird. Big burly guys reading Danielle Steele and uh, Nora Roberts and just soaking it up. Some of you ladies know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you guys might as well, you're not going to admit it, but still. That's the popular thing. So the librarian is bringing romance books, romance books. I said, man, look, please, look, you're going to break my heart even worse, man. I'm, I got 35 years. I'm not going to see one of these romances for at least three decades, man. Get, get this out of here and bring me a Bible. So I think he brought me, like I said before, the, the, maybe the first one ever printed. Every other page falling out, old, cracked up, but every page was there. And I dropped it open, and I saw in Psalms 5, a term that I'd never heard before, my son. And it, it shocked me, it froze me in my tracks. I had never been called my son. I'd never been called a son by anybody. I'd never had that father. And even my mother, my memories are not really very clear from five and six years old the last time I saw her. So I'm sure she said it, but I don't, I don't have really clear memories of any of it. All I remember is the bad stuff. And when I saw that, and I realized I had a heavenly father who would substitute and replace all that, then step one of evangelism was providing the word of God to a person so he could look at it and read it at a time when the Holy Spirit had busted his ignorant heart wide open and made him prepared for it. So, fell on my knees, wept like a baby, and became an unashamed Christian and have never looked back since then. Never raised my hand in anger again to a human being I think I might have shook my fist at the sky a couple times at the Lord but my professors always told me don't worry about that the Lord can handle your anger don't you worry about hurting him now your misbehavior can but if you are truly venting pain of your heart I promise you God can handle whatever it is you need to express yell at him if you need to and then say all right Lord help me I'm hurting help me and I promise you you'll be all right don't be so sanctified that you get all stressed out and you don't vent your emotions to the Lord. So if I could see that next slide, please. I want to show you this. That was the day of freedom where my buddy Paul Will, he and I started the first and, to my knowledge, the only fully uh, associated and constituted Southern Baptist church inside of a prison. We had brothers and friends from the seminary and from other associations who came in and ordained both him and I. He actually went to the streets and got his ordination first. I followed a few years later, and he and I pastored the same church. And when he left in 2020, I took over, and uh, well, I took over in 2019 so he could prepare for departure. Then when he left, I took it, and then I left it to another man. So we have had a string of three fully duly ordained pastors in the Baptist world functioning inside the Louisiana State Penitentiary in an actual church. So that's why I really kind of still get a kick out of when I get to come here and, and say good evening, brothers and sisters, because there's nothing but guys in there, man. It gets old after a while. I love them, but I mean, it's like, come on, man. 
So there we are, coming out, and there's his wonderful wife, Amy, and there's Paul. They met while they were uh, inside, and she did a documentary where he was featured that's called A New Hope. And hope is a big word. I love it. But this freedom theme, I want to tie that to evangelism because that gospel, that good news, it is freedom. It literally set my heart free. It set my soul free. If you could show the next slide, please. Look at that. I used to have hair. And there it is. Me sitting with, I thought I was teaching my oldest daughter how to tie her shoe, but she was digging in her nose looking at the camera. So, so much for that. The other one was unconcerned. My second daughter, she was unconcerned, climbing up and down the couch. So going into bondage, 2001, right? Little bitty kids, and of course that picture was a few years earlier than that, but 2001, those years right there are where my memories are because then I started getting in trouble in 1998 to 2001 because I didn't know the Lord. So then years later, almost about the time I was going to get out. Next slide, please. Look at it. There they are. So grown women and me, I done lost all my hair, my red beard's no longer red, and there's those two girls with children of their own. I have six grandchildren now. It's like, whew, okay. Daughters and granddaughters everywhere. Now, those two I knew, and part of the reason I turned myself in was because I couldn't bear the idea of not seeing them again, because I knew if I was on the run, I'd have to just stay on the run. And it just felt like a weak and cowardly thing to do. So I came back, turned myself in, and I maintained a pretty good relationship with those two throughout it all. I never stopped praying for them. I do to this day. We have a great relationship, and uh, they brought me a lot of wonderful joy in the form of a forgiveness that's almost impossible to describe unless you have been a parent that did something really stupid, and then your children look at you and say, it's okay, Dad, I forgive you. It's okay, Mom. They are some of the most forgiving creatures in the world, and it's, it's unbelievable. They're, they are a model and an encouragement to me. Now, along the way, I discovered um, a little bit after I was incarcerated that I had another daughter that was born about eight months after I was locked up. Absolutely astonishing. She had wonderful adoptive parents that sent me legal papers so that I could sign custody over. And they told me in no uncertain terms, I might as well just go ahead and sit down and relax, and they'll send me pictures whenever they feel like it. And it turned out to be about once every five years. Ain't that right, ma'am? Is that right? They are here tonight with us. Seven years ago. Yes, absolutely. I'm going to show you the picture here in a minute. Because those two I knew, and all this is going to connect to evangelism freedom, those two I knew, but I had this special joy to discover another daughter that I had not had a chance to meet. So... I wrote a letter and I asked, I asked, uh, <laughs> can I please have my last picture, you know? All right, so I got my picture. Well, no, I got a big giant letter about that thick in the mail from my daughter. I was like, ah, oh. I saw that, that was it, day's over with, I canceled everything, grabbed it, went to the bed, tore it open, started reading it. And I saw a child use a semicolon correctly. I'm like, what manner of child is this, right? This is almost like, but? Her mom was a teacher. I was like, oh, okay, that explains things. But still, it took me to my 40s to learn how to use a semicolon. So next slide, please. In December last month, I got a chance to finally meet her. And then there you go. So this is, this is my daughter, Janae, a totally awesome, terrific person that I'm absolutely honored to meet. I have been 
made so much better by you. I really am honored. So please, ladies and gentlemen, we are free, right, in, in evangelism, but we're free to love as well, and we're free to be loved. That's not always as easy as we think. So I have this beautiful daughter and these beautiful people with her beautiful best friend who are here simply out of love because we've finally gotten a chance to meet each other after about 21 years, right? And who does that other than Jesus? Who takes an idiot and, I mean, who does that, right? Amen. Who does that? So it was awesome. It was wonderful. Her whole energy and vibe was so happy. I think I, I, I shed a few tears after I left. I stayed all, you know, stoic while I was there, but I, I got a little weepy after I left. So this has been the highlight of my time here since I've been out is reestablishing connection with my daughters and then learning how to be a gracious pawpaw who's monkey bars and lets grandkids climb all over, right? And then when I get tired, I have the joy of the Lord and being able to give them back, take these kids back. So next slide, please. Coming into freedom. Here's utilizing freedom. Let's fast forward a little bit. I got released in March, and a couple of months later, the man with a very distinctive voice gives me a call. This was uh, former Warden Burl Kane at Angola. And I'm going to explain that dude lurking in the background, too. But he said, I got a job for you, boy. I said, all right, what do you want me to do? He told me. I said, okay, when do I start? So I was out. I was free. I was doing HVAC work, and I'm thinking I'm 49 years old. I'm lugging 200-pound air handlers up vertical ladders through a 20-inch space. At my size, there must be a better way. There must be a better way. So then he gives me a phone call, tells me he wants to come out and work with programs in education, which is what I was doing inside. Your seminary that you provided for me, you gave me a bachelor's degree. You gave me a master's degree. Of course, I worked for it, but you helped with all the expenses and pay for it. I didn't just meet the Lord and become saved in prison. I also became educated because of you, because you were gracious enough to donate to these co-ops, to the churches, to the seminaries that would then help me become educated. I'm telling you, you saved my life. You saved my life. So now here I am working with this guy. The guy behind is another guy who served 43 years. Can you tell that he's figuring out how to take a picture? He hadn't quite got it down yet. There's something, when you meet him and he smiles, he's got a beautiful smile. But something about that lens, it's like his whole face just, it starts melting. It's crazy. I said, man, Dave, you look creepy. So, all right, next slide, please. So utilizing freedom. What I'm given a chance to do now through Jesus is to evangelize guys by simply being there, being present, and loving them. So we started doing things at Parchman now at the Mississippi State Penitentiary where I'm directing programs in education to start doing things like we've been doing at Angola for 20 years. These guys have never seen this. Something as simple as a barbecue pit, all right? All the guys who are in school and doing good, they get something off the barbecue pit. All the guys that are doing bad, they live in a unit over here, but they can smell it. <laughs> they can smell it. You want to find out how much motivation a cheeseburger or a piece of chicken is, go to prison and watch this day right here. So here we are. These guys are sparking it up. They're cooking. They're rewarding each other for a job well done, not getting in any trouble, not getting busted with contraband. If you have those things and you renounce any gang memberships you have, I put you on this thing every month and I put you in a dorm where you can be a little safer. Not a bad incentive. So next slide, please. This is a part of that crew we fed that day. So they're there. They are receiving evangelism from ministers that you'll see in the green on the far side who are being trained by the seminary that you are also helping. Same seminary, but different extension center in Mississippi. And of course, the Mississippi Baptist contributed to all that as well. But those seminary trained guys 
or evangelizing right there. So next slide, please. That is your seminary at Parchment. That's half of them. There's almost 100 students now. We've, we've raised it from 30 to about 100. And these guys are rocking. They're fixing to be jam-packed with uh, not only people, but a lot of fast-paced curriculum. So the director on the right, you see Burl Kane and some other guys on the left. This was an occasion where they were being encouraged for the good work they've done. So next slide, please. First time, those guys in red shorts are all death row inmates. That's the first time some of them have been out of their cell in eight years. And the new superintendent decided, you know what, whatever they did, they're still a human being. I'm going to let them out of their cell and just feed them a piece of watermelon. And something that simple has radically changed death row just like that overnight. Just something that simple. Letting them out, treating them like a human being, telling them about the Lord, saying, Jesus loves you. Do you want a piece of watermelon? How many do you think said no? Zero. All right, next slide, please. So I want this thought to be my concluding thought here. Of course, Great Commission is the evangelism that we're dealing with. Go ye therefore and make disciples, all right? Baptizing, teaching. So other men's obedience to this Great Commission led to my salvation, my freedom, and gospel call in Christ. So everything about who I am today and why I am who I am today is because of your evangelism, because of you lending a hand to evangelism. There are thousands just like me. And there are hundreds of guys who are teaching in the seminaries and who are giving everything they have to try to see that ex-idiots like me can be saved in the Lord and can come to a saving grace and knowledge and stop being a criminal and stop hurting people. So you and everyone who contributes to this effort, believe me, it matters. I know you put your contribution in and sometimes you don't get to see where it goes. I promise you, it matters. It goes to somebody like me. It goes to somebody who just for the first time in his life gets to meet one of the most beautiful daughters anybody could ever hope for and who is gracious enough to be here to see my big ugly head up here on this stage. And it's an absolute joy. And then other daughters. I can reconnect with family. I can serve in church. I can do all these things. And then, of course, the seminary has been gracious enough to allow me to continue doctoral studies while I do this. So any of you who have done doctoral studies while doing a highly demanding full-time job, you understand my pain. It is pain, but it's okay. We're going to make it. So allow me to just say that in the Lord, I do thank you. I absolutely appreciate everything that you have done to make things like this a reality. You know, I've spoken in front of five. I've spoken in front of 500 and on up. And every single time, it always remains so humbling to be able to realize that there's some kernel of value in the result of evangelistic efforts. And what I mean by that is that there's always someone that you least expect that might just be ready to hear that one thing that you are meant to tell them. My whole world was changed because of it. I started reading, but then I had to go find somebody to hear it. You can't believe and have faith in that which you have not heard. So there was someone there to tell me. Now, my humble counsel is you can actually do this in the most relaxed fashion possible. The Lord made you and designed you exactly as you are. You talk like you do. You look like you do. You feel like you do. You act and walk and move and breathe and do everything just like you do because that's how the Lord made you. And you will reach people that the Lord has made you to reach and do it in a way that's natural. 
if you go and you start quoting too much heavy scripture at people who are lost who've never seen the Bible, they're not going to understand what you're talking about. They're going to think you're crazy. You don't want to throw too much scripture at a person who has no clue about it. Sometimes just coming alongside them, putting an arm around them, saying, man, are you okay? And if they ever open the door, man, how do you keep yourself so straight every day, so happy? Even when you, things ain't going good, you're doing all right. Well, what do you know about Jesus Christ? And there you go, something that simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. There's no reason to be afraid of it. So go and do it because that obedience to that simple command radically saved my life and the life of thousands of other men I personally know and lived with for decades inside of prisons who are so faithful to the word and so sorry for what they did. And I understand the punishment. They'll have to endure it. They have punishment to endure. So be it. What they have done is they have come to a place where they said, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin and whatever judgment you have, I'll, I'll receive it, but let me serve you well until I die, no matter where I am. Man, what more can you ask from a simple, weak little vessel full of the Holy Spirit, right? So you guys are wonderful. I love you. I thank you for the opportunity to speak with you. And, you know, I'll reiterate that second couple of words right after it is for freedom that we have been set free. Once we receive that gospel, once we receive this, and therefore stand firm. So all of you here who have been given the opportunity to hear the word, to understand the word, to live by the word, and to be able to do things that most people don't understand, God bless you. I love you. I appreciate you. It's been an absolute honor to be able to be here with you this evening. And so, please, go ye therefore and make disciples. Go find those people that are lost and hurting because you just might save someone's life just like you saved mine. God bless you. Good night. I love you. Thank you.